You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Buckeye Breakdown for Buckeyes Now on Sports Illustrated. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Andrew Lind and Sports Illustrated All-American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia Jr. to talk about something that we didn't really expect we were going to have to talk about necessarily on this particular Sunday night. The Buckeyes lose Jaheim Singletary, who for uh, for whatever reason becomes the third Ohio State decommit from the class of 22 Andrew and John certainly uh, have the pulse of this. And, and guys, it's maybe it's a little bit striking for two reasons. One, he's the second decommit in a two-week, or I should say in, in a uh, one-week stretch, as Benji Gosnell, the tight end, also decommitted this past week. But two, maybe more striking, he was Ohio State's top-rated defensive player in the class of 22, and I know it's disappointing to lose him. Andrew, let's start with you and, and your thoughts on how this, uh, this whole thing kind of unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if you look at a, a typical Florida recruitment, this is this is exactly that. You know, a kid who committed early didn't visit before he committed. Obviously, he didn't have the ability to because of the pandemic um, and the recruiting dead period. But then, you know, it's one of those things where you see a kid commit early and you hope that Ohio State can hold on to his commitment because just any Florida recruitment is going to be a, a roller coaster ride. And that's kind of exactly what this was, you know. He took visits to, to Georgia, to Miami, and then his, his visit with Miami this weekend is ultimately what led to his, his decision to open things back up. John, what do you think about all this? I think Andrew's on it. Um, this is a kid, first of all, this is one of those four-year varsity guys in, in a big metro area in Jacksonville. So you're talking about scholarship offers coming in from his freshman year. Uh, so he was leaning towards making that early commitment. But but like Andrew said, it was to Ohio State. You know, Florida was really the front runner throughout his entire recruitment. Uh, it was his favorite school growing up. Uh, but right around the time he committed to Ohio State, Miami got really serious. You know, they hired T-Rob, um, you know, to, to their staff in the secondary. And I think that was was creating a little bit of hesitation, even when he committed to Ohio State. So at that time, it felt like if something would change, you would keep an eye out for Miami. And sure enough, since then, he's visited Miami multiple times. Georgia's in this conversation as well. So I just tend to think this is more of a kid who's still extremely coveted, number two cornerback in America on SI All-American. Uh, and he was just wasn't ready to be done with the recruiting process. And as far as my intel in Jacksonville, he's still not ready to be done with the process. At one point, it looked like he could maybe decommit and flip, meaning commit to another program, but it looks like he's not quite ready to do just that. So if you're Florida, Georgia, Miami, or Ohio State, who I'm told is still very much in the conversation, you know, this thing is TBD. Uh, and we go to the old cliche of, it may not be over uh, until the kid signs on the dotted line. Well, if you look back to his recruitment as well, the initial commitment, he got an offer from Ohio State a month or two before he committed. So it wasn't like a thing where, you know, there was a big time to build up to that commitment. Some of the other schools, I know Florida, Clemson, Georgia were all in his top four before he committed. 
you know, in the lead up to that, they had all extended offers months, if not a year before Ohio State did. So for him to then all of a sudden become an Ohio State pledge, you know, you go for, for several months without him visiting, finally open it back up and you can you can kind of see that coming. John, I, I remember we first talked when Jaheim uh, said he was coming to Columbus uh, and boy, there was quite a buzz because this is a guy that really has an elite skill set. If Ohio State can't re-reel him back in, what are the Buckeyes losing out on? Yeah, this is a premier player at, at really a premium position at cornerback. And I think that's where the conversation begins about the evaluation. You know, he's 6'2", maybe 6'3", at this point. So you always ask the question, can he stay at corner? Uh, and with Jaheim's skill set, we think he can He's big, long, but he's fluid, and he can run really well, tracks the football like a wide receiver, has some wide receiver experience to his name. He'll play both ways again in 2021. Uh, so you're just getting the modern corner skill set. Everybody wants that big, confident boundary corner, but Singletary can play some man coverage, can play in the open field, uh, and that's why everybody still wants this kid. I would actually anticipate more schools maybe trying to get in on him now that he's back on the market because we all thought at least at one point, you know, committing to Ohio state with what they've done in the secondary in terms of the NFL would kind of lock this thing up. Uh, but obviously those programs didn't slow down. So that could open the door for even more schools to come in. I think Singletary is that polished, that good and that ready to play early in his college career. And look, it, it might not be the case based on what you guys have already said, but I'm, I'm curious, are you getting any vibe at all? that a, a kid with that skill set coming out of Jacksonville, right in the heart of ACC and SEC country, does any of this have to do with the Texas and Oklahoma push into the SEC and maybe what he's hearing from coaches in those leagues? I'll let you speak, John, if you, if you want. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Jaheim, you know, having covered him for, for several years now, He's a very focused sort of long-term kid, big picture kind of kid. You know, uh, I think a lot of kids are, are really wrapped up in the collegiate game. And if that was the case, I think he'd have committed to Florida and been done two years ago. Um, but I think he's more of a big picture guy focused on Sundays, really. I mean, he, he knows his talent. Uh, yes, he's close to Sean Wade. He's, he's been around a lot of other defensive backs from the area who have, have sort of made it. Um, so I do think he's got a bigger picture focus. So I would imagine something more like a visit or something he was sold on a visit uh, would contribute more than than the SEC expanding. I would actually put Miami as as the most likely destination at this very moment, although we think that can change uh, you know, pretty quickly depending on how long he wants to take to make uh, what we assume will be his final decision. And I, I would definitely agree with that. I think a lot of the the conference realignment stuff is more for us. It, you know, it's kind of one of those things where we get to discuss what happens and you know how that's going to impact college football. But for a recruit, like I don't think he's looking at it and saying, okay, well, the SEC is going to make me any better than the Big Ten because if you look at what Ohio State players have done, you know, there's been eight first round draft picks in the last nine years. So it's it's kind of one of those things that he's not going to sit there and say, okay, well, the SEC because now all of a sudden they have Texas and Oklahoma can make me better or better suited to make it to the NFL. So ultimately, like like John said, you know, it kind of comes down to one of those things where maybe he just didn't get a good vibe when he was at Ohio State for his official visit, goes to Miami, you know, if they're playing it up of, hey, you can help us restore the U, you know, all that kind of stuff, that he's going to be more attracted to that than anything else. 
Is this likely to not be the last time we see this kind of thing happen, whether it's with Ohio State or maybe even other named programs in the Big Ten, because of all of the things that, you know, the class of 22 and frankly, some of 21 and 23 have been through because of the restrictions on official visits? I mean, is this this kind of thing you think maybe, you know, something we could see more of? That's a good point, Brendan. You know, he wouldn't have committed to Ohio State without taking one of those self-guided trips you know it was right around the time that uh ohio state was playing for the big 10 title last year where he was able to just spend about half a day up in columbus and that was really all the familiarity he got with the program before making a huge decision so the lack of of a total package of information i think is is been a glaring problem with the 21 class and we're seeing it carry over into 2022 uh, especially when you talk about kids who may not be able to, to make trips like that on their own dime. So I absolutely think uh, the fluidity of making a commitment and decommitting uh, is going to be something we always talk about in recruiting and any kind of pandemic laden restrictions are only gonna reinforce that and, and probably push the volume up a little bit more just because it's that much harder to, to truly know where you wanna be. It kind of reminds me a lot of, of when Tennessee was getting a ton of commitments early on in the pandemic. You know, they jumped out to an early lead in many, many recruiting services rankings. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, this is only going to last until until these kids can start taking visits because, you know, Tennessee might have sold them on one thing. And then once they go and they're able to see it elsewhere, Tennessee doesn't become as attractive. And that's kind of the same thing here where, you know, a kid commits early, um, has, you know, he has to wait for visits. He finally gets the opportunity to go and see what other schools have to offer. And, you know, it's just kind of a carryover, like John said, of, it's an extension of the 2021 class of all those kids who committed early. So before we talk about Ohio State's future and, and trying to move on from losing Jaheim potentially, um, John, I, I realize I might be putting you on the spot a little bit here, but uh, given this potential loss, how does this impact Ohio State's stance right now in, in the SI All-American rankings? Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, they did have the number one recruiting class in the country uh, in your uh, your first release. Yeah, so we did the July release and Ohio State was really running away with the top class. A lot has changed over the last few weeks uh, and we're actually about to refresh those rankings. I was, I was thinking I might have to move Ohio State based off of Quinn Ewers, but here we are maybe <laughs> having to move them based off of Jaheim Singletary. Uh, look, this class is still loaded. It's still loaded in the secondary. Let's, let's make that very clear. You know, um, number one, Nickel Terrence Brooks, uh, I'm a big fan uh, of Ryan Turner. We have him much higher uh, than the rest of the industry does. So this is still going to be a typical Ohio State class when it comes to the secondary and really everywhere else, uh, to be frank. Uh, and again, they still have the potential to land Singletary down the line. But even if it's not number one, Ohio State will be right there. And I think with the prospects still on the table to, to make a decision, uh, this could be another conversation where they're flirting with one the entire time, just like the 2021 cycle and just like the early portions of 2022. Well, and it's really easy or interesting to look back and say, you know, Ohio State took four corners in the first place. Their initial projection was to take four, including Jair Brown, who you didn't mention. Um, and there was there was some concerns about him and his pledge at some point. There was some concerns about Ryan Turner. So it's kind of one of those things that they took four in the first place for this very, you know, very situation. So if that somebody did come off the board, then they still have a good core of players 
that they're bringing on. And then, you know, you can continue to, to recruit Singletary. You obviously don't have the luxury of an official visit because he took it last month, but now you're going to, you're going to try to get him to come up on his own dime. You know, there's, there's other corners out there. I know Ephesians Prysock was one, one player that they had hosted um, in, in June that they really like as well. So it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, maybe you can convince him to come back for another unofficial visit and see from there. And, you know, you still end up with four corners like you planned all along. And, and that was something I was going to get to here because I think the secondary, given the, the struggles they had last year, is under maybe more scrutiny than usual. Obviously, the, the recent history at Ohio State with their defensive backs has been almost immeasurably high. Um, and, and to continue hitting that, you know, threshold over and over again, somewhere along the way, you, you were probably bound to have a bit of a hiccup. Maybe that was last year, and maybe that was, um, you know, predicated on COVID and all of the the craziness that came with last year. So obviously, it was a it was a crazy year, you, you know, a different kind of year, and a lot of guys are just throwing things out. But when you start looking at how they're trying to revamp that group, there's been lots of discussion about that group should be at full strength this year. And the expectation is that it would continue to, to get, you know, back to that, uh, that high threshold with solid recruiting classes. Andrew, John, I know they brought in uh, some guys they're really high on in the class of 21. As, as it pertains to the class of 22, if Singletary is not going to come to Ohio State um, by the time this thing is totally done, I know a good number of the top 10 corners in the country have already committed. Which other guys should Buckeye fans be keeping their eye on? Yeah, I would say, obviously, Prysock, like I mentioned, was somebody. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things that with with the emphasis that Ohio State placed on having official visits in June, you know, they're going to have to get kind of creative in, in figuring out how to, how to convince a kid to come back again. Um, and like you kind of mentioned as well, they took so many defensive backs last year and then their plan was to take as many as six more defensive backs this year as well, including two two additional safeties. So you know, there's kind of a lot of turnover at that at in the in the in the back end of the defense, and they're kind of hoping that that is something that's going to be able to you know bring them back to the elite level that they expect to be. Yeah, and, and that safety board is still wide open. You know, like you mentioned, a lot of corners having committed. The top safeties are, are are very much uncommitted at this point in the class of 2022. So I could see Ohio State making a play there. Uh, and I want to go to something Andrew mentioned earlier that is is the opposite for Ohio State. You know, he said Tennessee was really just blowing up on the recruiting trail early in COVID. They were sort of first in, most aggressive on prospects. And I think part of the reason it started to dissolve was Saturdays. Once the season kicked off and people saw the Tennessee product, it started to hurt those elite prospects that they had verbally committed. That's not the type of problem Ohio State is going to run into. So whether you're trying to get a prospect back on campus for a visit, the Big Ten schedule will kind of take care of that uh, for itself, where the Buckeyes will be ranked. The product they produce on Saturdays will reinforce the need to, to want to play uh, around the best and against the best in practice. That still resonates with prospects, yes, Sundays, the NFL are, are number one now, but you still want to go to a winning culture and, and you want to be able to compete, especially when you're recruiting defensive backs. You want competitive prospects. So I do think that leaving the door open is probably a beneficial thing for Ohio State, whether it's a late senior riser, uh, holding on to the rest of the commitments or jumping on some of these uncommitted safeties. I, I think they'll be just fine. Well, well I was just going to say, we certainly saw how long 
the recruiting cycle can go if you look as early as Jack Sawyer committed and as late as JT Tuimolo out committed. The class of 21 took more than 18 months to, to finally come together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of wanted to touch on something John mentioned very briefly, and that was Singletary's relationship with Sean Wade. Obviously, as somebody coming out of Jacksonville, seeing what, you know, how he played at Ohio State, you know, maybe, maybe and this is just purely me speculating, but it makes me wonder if, you know, Miami, Georgia, those schools have said, hey, look what Ohio State did to this last player that came out of your area. And I'm, I'm wondering if that has any impact whatsoever on, on Singletary because, you know, Sean Wade came in, high five-star player, you know, defensive uh, All-American, like plenty of, plenty of accolades. And then he ended up redshirting his first year. He played in the nickel his second and third year, and then his fourth year he struggled. And it make, like I said, it makes me wonder if that had any any role in in Jaheim's decision. Well, when you when you're an elite prospect like this, when you're an All American who's been recruited now for for three plus years, you hear everything. Uh, so you know we have to refocus and remember sometimes that these are teenagers with a lot of adults with agendas. Um, in their ear, you know, in the good side and on the bad side and everywhere in between. Uh, so I wouldn't really put anything past an elite recruit in terms of what he's hearing. If you're a Quinn Ewers, if you're a Jaheim Singletary, if you're a JT Tuimolo, you've heard everything in the book for several years. Um, and if you just jump onto something or, or you remember something, uh, that can pay dividends when you make some of these big decisions. So it's those kind of things that makes me think he may take his time this time around, but it's also part of the reason why I think he continues to consider Ohio State uh, down the line. So the longer this thing goes, I think the better for the Buckeyes if they have a chance at bringing him back in. There's only a few programs we see lose a commit and have a chance to bring him back in. It's Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. It's the three programs we talk about at the top of every list of perception uh, because of the reality that they've created. So uh, you never rule that part out of the conversation. He like he's about Sundays. He's about the production. And, and if Ohio State rebounds on the field and, and does what we think they're going to do, I think that will help their chances to, to get him back on campus. And, and you go from there if you can accomplish that. And we've seen Ohio State do that before, too, with with legend Cavazos, you know, two cycles ago. He decommitted when after Urban uh, after Urban Meyer retired. And then, you know, they, they obviously convinced him to come back. And, and to be honest, and it's kind of one of those things he's a. Uh, a kid from Texas by way of Florida, you know, playing the same exact position as Jaheim. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they can ultimately get him back on campus and, and kind of explain to him and, and show him exactly why he might want to be there. Let's take a step back for just a second before we wrap up here and, and talk about the, you know, the committing and decommitting process as it currently exists. I certainly can understand why if you have a coaching change, especially if it's, you know, the, the coach that led your recruitment at a school um, or, you know, maybe some other different kinds of circumstances where it would be good for a kid to say, you know what, maybe I, you know, maybe this isn't quite the right decision for me. A great example of that uh, was Ohio State's first commit, or I should say first decommit in the class of 22 with the son McCullough deciding, hey, I'm, I'm going to go play where my dad's coaching, where my family's going to be. That's a better situation for him. I, I get those kinds of things. Um, maybe there's no blanket way to, to come up with some one size fits all solution here, but is it, is it good or bad for programs to have kids 
commit and then you still feel like you kind of have to keep recruiting them because they could back away and and you know the the challenges that come with that I mean I I guess it's it's just a it's a challenging process what do you guys think about the ability to you know say yeah I'm gonna go somewhere I'm all in and then say well maybe at a later time I'll, I'll back away from that I mean, Ryan Day has kind of talked about this um, previously. You know, when, when you get a commitment, it only means so much. You still have to continue to recruit those kids until they sign with you. And then, like I mentioned before, it's even more so with kids from the state of Florida. It's basically like they're saying we like you when they commit. It's not any binding thing or anything like that. You obviously have to continue to recruit them and get them on campus and show them all the way up until signing day. So, you know, for – for kids, it, it, it all is different. You know, Benji Gosnell, for example, you know, that wasn't a situation where he just felt like, you know, it was a situation where he felt like, you know, maybe I might want to play defense. Maybe I'm not going to fit into Ohio State's plans at tight end, like those kind of things. And that that doesn't fit into what Jaheim ha- happened. You know, it doesn't happen to um, fit in with, with Desan. So it's just kind of one of those things that it's a case-by-case basis. Feels very like high school or college boyfriend or girlfriend situation. Yeah, let's let's date. You know, we'll be steady versus put a ring on it and yeah. okay, we're good. You know, we're signing a contract here. Check this yeah. box. You like the <laughs> It's true. I mean, it, that's the game, though, right? The earlier you start offering these prospects, the more fluidity uh, it, you're going to see with them making decisions. And it used to be where the the second and third tier programs were, were offering early because. The top tier programs didn't have to, you know, Ohio State could come in your senior year, shoot you an offer and, and you may commit. Not the case anymore. Everyone's playing the relatively early offer game. So the process just starts that much earlier. There's just that much more time to take visits, to have those influences uh, start to, you know, make an impact in your judgment. Uh, but from the program's perspective, it's just kind of a necessary evil like social media, the transfer portal. Uh, the whole deal. So it, it all kind of lumps together. So it's hard to put it in one box, like you said, Brendan. Uh, and Andrew's right. It, it's still case by case throughout uh, that entire recruiting process. But uh, you just never know. You just never know what one thing it is. Um, I do think that Ohio State and Jaheim have been in communication since all of this has happened. Um, so you want to have that opportunity to continue to build on that and, and, and at least come to a mutual understanding uh, and go and go forward. But again, the, the full expectation is for Ohio State to continue to recruit them, and, and I don't blame them. Yeah, and there's one thing that I, I really noticed too, and in, in just seeing um, the response to Jaheim's decision, it's it's always one thing that that kind of has driven me nuts when it comes to the you know covering recruiting is that you'll see all these fans respond and be like, oh, well, we don't we don't want him, we don't need him. You're full of it because this this kid is a five star kid who's going to be a first round pick. You want him on your team. So to sit there and say, like, oh, we're going to make the college football playoff without you or, you know, those kind of things, all you're doing is making it worse on your team, on your favorite team that you're trying to get, have these kids come in. So that was just something I wanted to say because it's kind no, of – that's fair. I mean, you, you know, there, there's some level of, you know, you kind of have to respect the mental health of, of 16, 17, and 8-year-old kids who are trying to make a, a huge decision on what's best for their future both immediately and long-term, and that's – there's a lot of weight with that, and with all of the speculation and all of the hype, I think it it intensifies uh, the challenge that a, a young guy and his family are going through. That you know, perhaps they have guidance, perhaps they don't. It's it's a tough spot. Um, Andrew, in particular, maybe John, you you can maybe uh, uh, jump in on this too. But specifically, Andrew, I I'm wondering if there's a way that you could 
have the Buckeye fan base take a deep breath after now having three decommits, uh, certainly a couple in, in McCullough and now Singletary that they really, really liked. Um, why is it going to be okay? Why is it still going to work out just fine here for the class of 22? Yeah, I mean, I kind of have to defer to John on this because obviously he's the one who you know, goes through and does the rankings. But, I mean, they're still going to have the number one or number two class in the rankings when they come out next. So to sit there and say, like, the world is falling apart because they suffered one decommitment or two if you count Gosnell, you know, that that that's fully inaccurate. There's obviously a long way until signing day as well. So, you know, there's a chance of getting him back on campus, him possibly committing again, or they're going to find somebody else who they feel fits the program, whether it's from a culture standpoint, a play standpoint, all of that. There's still plenty of time for them to assess their options and move forward from this. Yeah, let's let's give the Buckeye fans some benefit of the doubt uh, and say they know that that things are going to be quite fine in Columbus. And this class is really good. You know, maybe my favorite receiver class assembled to this point, the secondary class, as we mentioned, still among the very best, maybe top three or four nationally. And we know they're ramping up uh, the offensive line recruiting. I think they're going to they're going to bolster the trenches here sooner rather than later. And you still got Quinn Ewers committed, you know, the most talented quarterback uh, in the class of 2022. So. Uh, things are going to be quite fine uh, at all positions, uh, but especially in the secondary. I think this is just a, a blip on the radar. Jair Brown, uh, as you mentioned, Andrew, rock star, versatile prospect. Uh, we love Ryan Turner's ability in the slot, and he's getting bigger. I heard he's over six foot now. Um, uh, so th this is a great secondary class. And, and Terrence Brooks, we, we already mentioned, number one nickel in America. So, so this class will be just fine in the secondary, uh, but especially overall. Now, if and when Alabama gets involved with Jaheim, that might be a different story. I might be a little <laughs> bit more apprehensive because, you know, for him to, to decommit, it's very similar to Jordan Battle a couple years ago. You know, they, they were going to get another South Florida kid. I mean, obviously, Jacksonville's in North Florida, but they're going to get another, another Florida kid, and then you go all the way until signing day, and you feel like you have him in your back pocket, and the next thing you know, he's, he's at Alabama. They could have used him last year. You know, it's just kind of one of those things that, you just kind of hope and pray from Ohio State standpoint that Alabama doesn't get involved. Uh, you never know; those guys have a way of uh, getting involved in a, in a lot of those uh, a lot of those situations. That's for sure. So the news tonight: Jaheim Singletary decommits from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, doesn't mean for one hundred percent certain that he won't be a Buckeye long term, um, but it certainly gives the impression that he is looking to uh, maybe pursue his college ambitions elsewhere. Andrew Lind and John Garcia Jr., as always, doing a great job covering Ohio State and the national recruiting footprint for SI All-American. I'm Brendan Gulick. We've got everything you need over on BuckeyesNow.com. This has been another episode of Buckeye Breakdown. We'll see you real soon as the Buckeyes report for camp this week. There's a lot going on right now down in Columbus, and we're all over it for you. Your Buckeyes Now on SI.